0: More stories in the news about automotive recalls. Can carmakers solve their quality problem, or are they doomed to an endless series of failures? Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, managing editor of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. GM is recalling more than 4 million vehicles due to a software defect that affects their airbags. And last summer, Ford announced the recall of some 91,000 vehicles because of faulty fuel pumps that could cause cars to stall. Well, these are just the latest in a long string of recalls that have affected every major automaker and in some cases led to the death of passengers. So why does this keep happening? Where are the miscommunications, the oversights, and, most of all, the supply chain failures that are causing these mishaps? Today I'm looking for answers with Robin Hopper, Senior Vice President of Product Management with Intellex, a provider of software for managing environmental, health, safety, and quality issues for regulatory compliance. He'll explain some of the factors behind automotive recalls with a focus on the increasing complexity of supply chains and the software that's meant to support them. And he'll offer some advice on how car makers can avoid problems in the future. So here is my conversation with Robin Hopper. Robin Hopper, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you, Robert. Pleasure to be here.
0: So in August, Ford announces a recall of some 91,000 cars in North America, 2013 to 2015 models of Ford and Lincoln vehicles because of a fuel pump control module problem. Of course, last week, a more recent recall announced by GM, somewhere between 3.64 and 4.3 million vehicles on an airbag-related issue. But I want to back up and talk first about the Ford situation. And based on your observation of that particular recall, how did this particular one happen?
1: Well, I think, in terms of this recall, and, and just generally, one of the biggest challenges for Ford and the other auto OEMs, for the most part, is, is that there's just this increasing complexity in their supplier uh, networks and supply chain. Whether it's parts raw to raw materials, where the parts are sourced from, it's, it's getting increasingly difficult to track all of this stuff. So, in circumstances where, where something happened to, to fail, the issue could have been anything from you know, the fuel, fuel pump's design. All the way through to the you know the raw some kind of raw material failure in, in one of the components themselves. So they're on the path now to track down not only what happened but, but where the issue occurred, whether it's you know, on the engineering table or the manufacturing floor or somewhere in the supply chain, but I I think if you just drill down to it at its core, it's this increasing complexity in the supply chain itself that is impacting and and driving some of the increase that we're seeing here in in these recalls.
0: Even with the origin of this particular recall not having been 100 percent determined, can you say in your mind what you think might be the repercussions to Ford of this particular incident?
1: Well, I think the most obvious are a negative impact to the Ford brand and reputation. That just goes without saying for, for almost any recall. But in the, in the case of Ford, as one of the better performing car companies over the past decade. It puts them at, at say, a particular risk. That's so said, though, I mean, it, in, in any circumstances like this, it's, it's actually possible for companies to turn these risks into potential positives by dealing with them quickly in spirit of transparency, offering customers the appropriate level of communication. And Ford certainly seems to be going down that path.
0: Actually, by comparison with some recent recalls, 91,000 vehicles, as much as that is, isn't that big a number, especially compared to, for instance, GM or the four million vehicles. So I guess from a standpoint, a relative standpoint for Ford, this is maybe a more manageable incident, this particular one certainly
1: more more manageable. and There's a lot of research that, that shows the one thing that, that actually angers consumers the most isn't that there's a, a defect in the product. It's, it's when companies try to, to hide this from them or refuse to make amends in, in a timely fashion. In general, I think a trend that we're seeing across the industry is that manufacturers are, are realizing this and taking fairly significant steps to go all the way to something like a recall, where in, in, in the past they might not have done that.
0: Well, before we talk more about automaker reactions to this, I I do want to get a sense of why quality issues keep occurring with so many automakers in the last few years. It just seems like every week there is a new recall announcement. So you alluded to the growing, I believe, uh, complexity of the global supply chain. Do you think that is the main issue? What do you think are the factors that are – well, first of all, do you think it is becoming more uh, frequent – Problem, and secondly, why do you think that is the case?
1: I think there's an increase to the frequency, uh, but there's a bit of a perfect storm going on there. I mean, certainly, there's an exceptionally high level of complexity in the supply chain, as I, as I mentioned, and, and in the automatic uh, manufacturing ecosystem in general. Globally distributed suppliers and vendors, along with just in time manufacturing, require really high levels of coordination to make everything kind of run smoothly. But you can make an argument that product recalls have have gone up just due to an increase in vigilance to the part of the car companies themselves. It's almost a perfect storm of of circumstances. You've got a highly litigious American culture at least. You've got increasing government safety regulations and greater expectation of transparency on the part of the consumer. You put all of those things together, and I think it's natural to expect an increase in the number of
0: recalls. When you say diligence, are you implying that they're – identifying problems that might have been there all along but never spotted in the past because of less visibility and less diligence?
1: I think the environment and increasing awareness around this in general and and seeing what's happened to other manufacturers is driving the diligence, driving them to look closer at at all aspects of their process, whether it's their quality process or supplier process, and that's uncovering issues that, yes, likely were there at, at, at given points in time.
0: What about the increased trend of outsourcing of production to third-party or, or independent producers that produce greater uh, number of components in a car? Do you think that creates new possibilities for miscommunication, lack of communication, because of the extra distance, both physical and real, between manufacturer and a subcontractor?
1: Any time you introduce... Another layer into the into the process, it's it's introducing a, an element of risk and that increasing complexity that, that we keep kind of circling around here. And in the supply chain, the the, the people that are, are being outsourced to, I think they're they're constantly kind of questioning, back to to fit form and function. Are these requests over engineered? Are the you know, are the tolerances? within reason? What's the right level of communication or input that they could have back to the manufacturer? Each one of those kind of layers in, in communication or, or, or questions that get asked and answered increase the level of risk in the process.
0: Do you think that there are communication gaps? Do you think there are still black holes of information and the lack of real visibility because of all the parties in the supply chain and the distance between them?
1: think those are being worked on. There's challenges to manage the communication, but there's a lot of systems in place to manage the entire process, whether it's the ERP system or vendor supplier management system or quality management systems. And these are all designed to make it easier to track, capture, measure the process, and ma- manage the communication that goes along with it. But us as, as software vendors in that, in that space are are working hard to keep up with the extra layers of, of complexity. I don't feel like we're ahead of that game right now. I think we're, we're scrambling to where to, to continue to add functionality to, to make it easier to manage that communication, to manage all those processes with the new layers that are introduced.
0: You know, it used to be in the old days when there's a recall, it was probably related in some way to a physical mechanical defect. Now, increasingly, we're seeing the reason for these recalls being that of software. I believe they're they're blaming a software uh, defect for GM's uh, latest airbag-related case, and that may even be the case here with the Ford fuel pump uh, incident. Software is getting more and more complex, and it's being required to take over more and more uh, of, of the operations of the vehicle do you think that maybe that just the overall overarching complexity of software and the fact that that makes it more impossible for more things to go wrong is an issue here that needs to be addressed
1: I'm not sure whether it's the software itself, but there's an overwhelming increase in the amount of data that's being collected and, and inputted into not just the software, but the overall process. The software industry at, at large, certainly the, the systems that manage all these processes need to evolve from being reporting tools or, or tools that look back and help people analyze all the breadcrumbs along the way for an incident to actually happen that, that led up to this, to give all the, all the clues to guide to, to what actually happened. But looking back... And, and kind of lessons learned as approach to, to handle the future isn't, isn't good enough any, anymore. These, these software packages need to evolve to, to analyze the masses of data that are coming in and apply machine learning to them to be predictive and preventative rather than just being tools to track what's happened after the fact. And that's, you know, I think that's one of the biggest changes that's going on right now, at least the software that manages all the processes space.
0: It makes me wonder whether this increasing amount of data that you describe and some people refer to as as the Internet of Things is, at least today for automakers, a blessing or a curse. A curse because there's so much data out there and so difficult to make sense of it. A blessing because that, at least theoretically, makes it much more possible to identify problems within the vehicle, especially in terms of self-diagnosis or automatic diagnosis. So... What is where are we at today on being able to adequately and effectively handle this massive data in a positive way versus this massive data providing a more of a problem now because we just can't get our arms around it.
1: I think we've made great strides in being able to to handle the data itself, being able to analyze it in the vehicle for example. I think where there's an opportunity for improvement is determining which of that data is actually predictive in the manufacturing process and within the whole supply chain so that the potential issues are uncovered well before it turns into something that requires a product recall. So what are the predictive pieces of data in the supply chain that might indicate when you're at increased risk for a problem with a particular part or a raw material? I think that's where the real opportunities are
0: futurists tell us too that uh, we're going to enter an era in which cars are completely self-diagnosing that if they determine a problem they alert the driver they alert the repair uh, the repair center and so it becomes uh, quite clear at that point just based on the vehicle's knowledge of itself so to speak so uh, I guess we're still a little bit away from that aren't, aren't we
1: ways to go but certainly on the on the path to that in the analytics world that's moving from not just predictive analytics but but prescriptive analytics where You're not just monitoring for for when you're potentially at risk, something, something might happen, but you're prescriptively making recommendations based on that data of what to do about it.
0: Also, with the advent of self-driving cars over the coming years, I would think that maybe there's even a shrinking margin of error that the price of something going wrong with a car when there's no driver might be even higher. And so we need to be even more vigilant than we have been in the past about capturing this data, making sense of it, and applying it to, to safety within our vehicles, right?
1: Absolutely. Not, not Again, not just as a, a tool to retroactively, retrospectively go and look back to say why something happened, but to be ahead of that curve and preventing things from happening.
0: So let's talk about reaction. You pointed out earlier in our discussion that a lot of it, a lot of the brand protection or brand reputation of an automaker rests on that automaker's ability to respond quickly and in a, in a candid way with what's going on. So what are some of the tips or where do you see best practices out there whether it's Ford or any other automaker in terms of what was done right that led them to protect their brand even in the face of what might be a serious recall incident
1: like I said before there's a ton of research out there that's that's showing that The things that anger consumers the most, it's not necessarily that that, that there's an issue with a product or the product's defective or or even that there's a recall. It's when they find out that companies try to hide that information from them or refuse to try and make amends in a timely manner. I I think what you're seeing is some of the result of the social media culture that that we, we live in now, it's becoming much more accepted to respond and act in a a much more open and transparent way before across a variety of social channels. And I I think that's what you're seeing in this particular case. Timing is especially critical in this kind of digital and social age. And it wasn't really all that long ago that consumers – ability to broadcast their opinions, which really just limited to, to kind of friends and family or, or a couple of phone calls they can make. But companies like Ford realize that, that in this era, a Twitter meme is only 140 characters away. So they are responding in a, in a whole different manner than they would have even, even five years ago. So responding in a timely fashion, responding across all of their available digital channels and, and, and regular channels that they have available to them, Uh, operating very, very transparent. I mean, in this particular case, there hadn't been an issue or an accident as a a result of any of the the parts in question. So they they certainly were well out in front of it. And I think that's really the key here.
0: It's interesting. We talked earlier about the Internet of Things and the availability of big data as being both a blessing and a curse. And it seems like social media also is a blessing and a curse, a curse in the sense that, as you say, a 140-character tweet can have huge ramifications for brand uh, brand protection. At the same time, that very same social media can be employed at, in, a, in, a, in a way by the automakers themselves to get the word out. And so I guess the question is, do you feel that they are making – adequate use right now of the potential benefits of social media as a means of informing the public of any problems and dealing with it going forward?
1: I think so. Again, five or five or seven years ago, only the people that were acutely involved with a, a particular recall would have found out about this, and they would have found out about it by, by getting a letter in the mail. I think generally automakers across the board have embraced this social media as a way to form, get ahead, and protect their brand by, by operating transparently. At the end, as consumers, I think we all feel a little bit safer that knowing that it's not a 60-minute interview that's uncovering these things. It's uh, uh, my Twitter feed that's telling me that, that the manufacturer themselves is giving me a heads up.
0: And certainly as in the case of the Takata airbag recall, when deaths occur because of the negligence on the part of the automaker or the, not, or the, auto, or the parts maker, mm-hmm. failure to inform the public, that can have horrible consequences for an automaker, not to mention the drivers themselves. Right. So software seems to be, uh, as I said earlier, software could be blamed for being part of the problem because of the complexity in, the, in terms of how it controls the car, but software can also be the solution is, is that a, a means of tying together uh, tier, tier one, two, three suppliers with the OEMs, the OEMs with the public? Is, is there a, a way in which that also, that particular technology also can be of benefit?
1: Certainly. I mean, that's, that's really the evolution that's, that's happening right now to match the complexity of the, of the increasing complexity in the supply chain. Software packages, ERP packages, vendor management systems, quality management systems are are moving quickly to to add that kind of capability, so that they're they're able to track end tier in, in the supply chain and, and the raw materials themselves, and then plug in a lot of external data beyond that, uh, whether you know all the way down to things like supplier financials, so that you can start to, to get an understanding of when you're at risk, rather than just reporting on what's happened.
0: And yet, I would assume that defects in automobiles, no matter how good we are at managing our supply chains or optimizing our supply chains, will always be with us to some extent? Is there a certain amount we just have to accept and then say, that being the case, we need to look toward reaction as opposed to uh, prevention?
1: Well, I think you can't ever make the complete shift to prevention. Analyzing risk and trying to be preventative is going to move the needle, but there always is the opportunity for something to slip through, and you do need to have a really good audit trail of of what's happened so you can investigate why and still use those retrospectives to to inform how you'll how you'll do things going forward.
0: Well, Robin Hopper, I want to thank you so much for sitting down with us for a few minutes to talk about the latest recalls and what what manufacturers can and should be doing in order to eliminate or at least reduce the impact of them. Thank you very much for being with us today.
1: It was my pleasure, Robert. Thank you very
0: much. That was my conversation with Robin Hopper of Intellects, talking about the surge in automotive recalls. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. You can also download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes.